Hello, and welcome to the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast. I'm Christina Veltri here with Christina Magro and Matt Cole. Today, we will be talking to the founder of 360 Nation, D. Floyd. Um, but to start things off, I'm going to do a little self-care check-in with my co-hosts. Uh, Matt Cole, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I had a like full-on day off, no responsibility day uh, for the first time in a while yesterday. And that was really great to just kind of like chill and watch all the snow and stuff be outside while I was like very comfy uh, watching the Sopranos. So it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty nice. How are you doing, Magro? I'm doing good. You know, The Sopranos is like that one series that I never watched, and then the, in the beginning of all of this, I just binged it all, and I and and I I get it. I understand. It's so good. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and like, I didn't want to like it because, to be honest, like my parents talk shit about it, and they're like, "That is not a good representation of Italian Americans," but. Yes, it is. I mean, like, it's just, it, it's just, you know, like, who cares? Um, but anyways, Sopranos, uh, I'm doing great. You know, I feel like I've been saying this a lot, but the snow makes me happy. And uh, just after talking to some of our previous guests, just like really trying to take some of their advice, uh, got some of those books that Kamiko was talking about and started reading some of those and kind of diving in further into like compassion. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, just doing a lot of reading. What about you, Veltri? How are you doing? I'm great. Um, I love that. I just had a call with Kamiko today. So staying up on that compassion training as well. And uh, also doing a lot of reading and enjoying the snow from my window. <laughs> uh, Dee, how are you? I'm well. I can't complain. This Wednesdays is usually a busy day because I have meet. I teach on Wednesdays and Mondays, but Wednesdays I usually like. That's my day to meet with people before and after class. So I've pretty much been in meetings since probably like 10 a.m. So I just got out of a meeting. Well, I just got out of teaching class like 45 minutes ago. So I'm pretty, but I'm motivated and, and energized. You know, I'm not tired of anything like that. So I can't complain. I'm in a good space. Awesome. I'm glad you brought energy because we have so much to talk to you about and we're so excited to have you. And I've been resting all day for this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. So, um, do you want to give us a little background about you? Um, okay. and then we can talk about, uh, 360 Nation. Okay. Uh, I guess like the basic stuff, like born and raised, uh, Chicago, West side of Chicago in particular. Um, only time I wasn't in Chicago is when I went to school, which was DeKalb, Illinois. So that was only about like an hour away. Uh, I am a developmental practitioner. I guess that's kind of like the official term for what I do. If someone was to put like what I get paid for on paper, um, I go to, I'm a PhD student in educational psychology. So the focus is developmental, uh, psychology. I'm also a teacher. I teach at UIC. 
So I've been teaching there for maybe about, this is about my seventh year now. Wow. Seven years, my seventh year now, that time is flying. Um, what else? I'm also a photographer. I'm a practicing photographer, uh, mainly document on the West and South side of Chicago, mainly the spaces that I live or like spend the most of my time. Uh, I also run a community organization, but it's more like a fledging community enterprise to a certain extent, because I just don't, I think it's not in the traditional vein of like how we think of like community organizing. Uh, I'm more about creating like initiatives that support like the actualization of people while also thinking how do we meet the basic needs of people while also putting folks in a position that they can sustain that and also thrive. I don't, I don't, I think meeting the bare minimum is great, but it's called the bare minimum for a reason. I think that people deserve like more than that. So, um, and that's a whole like thing in itself, like 360, that's, that's kind of like when I'm writing my dissertation on, so that's a whole other conversation. But most of my work is focused around 360 and photography. And of course, like the students I teach at UIC, uh, you know, they're pretty cool for the most part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I just like learning new things that I'm interested in. So I, like, I love gaining skills. I don't, um, I like being able to produce and to do things. Uh, writing a scholarship only has like a real minuscule role in my life and in my opinion, even the world is like the actual people that can actually like do things, produce and transfer knowledge and skills to other people. That's more like my jam for lack of a better term. So yeah, I'm all, uh, so I'm, I'm always in a constant state of being uh, energized because I'm always thinking about like, how do we create new stuff? How can I learn a new thing? So yeah, I don't want to talk too much because I can go on and on about no, that. No, that's amazing. <laughs> I think that's everything in like a walnut, you know, yeah. <laughs> a, big, a pretty big nut, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you're a very inspiring, very busy person. Um, I met you this past summer through 360 Nation. So um, I'd love to hear about the inception of 360 Nation. Okay, so it initially, I initially started in 2014, but I've always worked in like developmental psychology spaces. So as a like a social emotional counselor, like a mental health counselor when I went to school. Um, went with the grad school, my master's was in like youth development with that, well, educational psychology with a focus in youth development. And I had just worked in a lot of different spaces. Well, I'm not gonna say a lot, quite a few different spaces in Chicago. And I had built up a name kind of to extent of like being someone who can work, you know, with intergenerational spaces and particularly like black communities and all that type of stuff. But I kept coming across trying to do things how I think they should be done or how I envision how this can actually work, but within like other spaces. So at universities and stuff like that, I'm like, the, I kept hitting this glass ceiling because when it boiled down to it, I still was under the, for lack of a better term, the thumb of someone else who other ran the institution, right? The different institutes I was working for. And so, I had a, I remember meeting with this guy named Bill Gerstein, who's an educator in Chicago. And he's an interesting one too, because he went from like healthy food living to like being a principal in the school. I can't even explain that transition, but he did it. But I remember him and I was having lunch one time and I was telling him, I said, I keep trying to do this. 
and this just doesn't see me working out. And he is like, man, you know, I know you don't hear this a lot in education. He is like, but you're more entrepreneurial. You're not going to do anything you want to do unless you just do it yourself and start your own thing. And I was like, okay. And so then in 2014, well, in 2013, I had like a sweet situation where I had a position at one university, at Chicago State University. And I also was teaching at UIC. And what I decided to do was let the, the Chicago State job go. Um, so I could have the time to build up 360. And what I did intentionally, I just spent 2014, I didn't implement any program programming. I just brought people together that I figured was interested in doing this with, with me. And we spent the year just building relationships and like learning and studying together. And the reason was, is because I have studied a lot. I have been a non-for-profit for like maybe eight years at that point, seven years. So I learned a lot in regards to like the politics, the funding and the philanthropy and like what does foundations and philanthropy and what role do they actually play in the liberation of people, but in particularly black people and then even more particularly black young people, right? And one didn't add up to the other. Uh, and so then you learn more about what's called like the non-for-profit industrial complex which is something that came into play in the 70s when non-for-profits became the thing. Like this is what I do and what a lot of other people do, like quote unquote justice work, whatever it's called. It was one point that there wasn't a such thing as like a non-for-profit. People did it because they actually like wanted to be liberated and wanted freedom. So they would do it outside of when they were working. But rich folks came up with a great idea. If we can make this into an industry and then we can pay people, it's a good way to co-opt any type of like radical movements that could ever come about. And so then I made the decision when I let that job go that I, I had the job at UIC, which gave me a good amount of privilege, but um, I started 360 with no grants and I didn't want any grants. So the first three years after the first year, just us coming together, then the first two years after that, I intentionally did not go for any grants because I did not want funding to interrupt the end goal, what we were trying to build. And so I was lucky that I had people that agreed with that, that, that had that same sentiment and kind of like went on that journey with me to do that. And I mean, it was tough like of course, the first couple of years because then you question a lot of things like, you know, I could be making more money right now. Like what the fuck am I really doing? And, you know, I partnered with some that elementary uh, because my intent was always around the development of young folks. And if you're just really serious about dealing with young folks, as much as I have gripes from CPS and I came through CPS, so my gripes are like legitimate, that's where young folks are. That's just where they're at. They're captive there for like seven, eight hours a day. And so I reached out to some and I said, I want to come in, I want to do this program. I want it to be in school. I don't want it to be after school. I said, I want to work with young folks around doing two things. One, uh, cultural relevant pedagogy that's rooted in like critical race theory. And I want to couple that with uh, creative and technical skill development. And the reason I want to do it in school, because when something is deemed after school is deemed as not as vital and as important as it was learned during the school day. And I personally felt what we had to bring through 360 was even more important than what they were learning during the school day. So we started that, doing that in around like 2015, 2016 school year. And we started with um, 10, no, uh, 12 sixth graders. Uh, they're still with us now, now they're like 16 and some of them about to be 17 as sophomores and some of them are like their first year in high school. 
but they've been with us for the past like four or five years. And the whole goal was to model what can a real organization look like when a group of people can come together outside of all the bureaucracy, outside of all the foundation, outside of all the mess that really interferes with doing real transformative work. And so it started with what we call like, a, what, what we used to run something called a leadership academy. And that was the in-school programming. Then we emerged, it evolved into doing like summer programming. So then it became year round. And we started doing things like taking over the empty lots that sit right next door to the school. Cause we started to understand that you can't just address what's happening inside the school building if you don't address what's happening like outside of the school building. And so I'm just a firm believer in like, if you really want folks to believe something, you got to put their bodies in it, right? And so then they can actually do it. So they can actually see that thing happening. And so our first project was like taking over that land. Well, actually our first project was Little Mural, right? And that started out literally just like posting up on Maypole and Kedzie in like 2015 and just passing out like snowballs on like real hot days. But, and it was more than just doing a cute thing, like giving snowballs. We were intentional on what that, what that was to do. And that was to build relationships with people in the community, right? And so when you pop up on the block and it's 95 degrees outside and you got free snowballs to give away, you're gonna build relationships like real quick. And we were coming like all the time doing it. And then we would pop around in different places through East Garfield Park and West Garfield Park and was doing it. And then you fast forward to um, 2020 and um, when we had got word on May 31st that CPS was not going to offer lunches or meals to the students because of the insurrection that had happened over the weekend after uh, the murder of George, George Floyd, we just decided let's just do little miracles and let's just put it out there to folks to see if they'll like donate. And then the donation was like absolutely crazy, right? And it was kind of like this thing, like even the young folks, uh, I used to tell them because it's a struggle when you're, you're thinking about things entrepreneurially, but within like a non-for-profit paradigm, those usually don't match up. Um, non-for-profit says, I go for grants, I get the money for grants, then I do said thing that I was going to do in a grant. Entrepreneurship is like, I have an idea for something I'm going to do, I'm going to just do the shit. And I'm going to sacrifice certain things. I'm not going to get money from it because I understand this is an investment in myself and it would pay off long term. That doesn't really work like enough for profit, but I knew that it could work because if the work just comes from like a deeper place, you don't need money to motivate you to do it, right? You just need the people who are all just motivating each other. And so I used to tell the young folks, and you know, we would raise money to give them stipends for the work, but I would in particularly tell the adults, I said, look, I know it's tough at times, but it's all gonna make sense eventually. I said we're gonna we on the cuff for some shit, and when this thing does, whenever this thing does happen, we're already going to be in a position to like roll. Well, other places they're not going to be in that position because they haven't thought preventative, they haven't thought long term, they haven't thought past them, and so that's what pretty much brought us from 360 from here to now. And since then we've implemented like numerous programs. So of course we had the garden that the young folks named Black Star Garden. And now that's going to be really converted into like a for real herb garden this summer because we have like chefs and agriculturalist folks who work with us now. Uh, we took over an empty classroom. So one thing is some elementary at its height, it housed about 1700 students and it has two big buildings that it operates in. 
uh, due to a black exodus in Chicago, which has really contributed to like the city finding ways to like make it really inhabitable for black folks to live in the city. So it's more like a push out. Uh, black communities have dwindled in populations and that has a huge impact on schools. And so the school now, it went from 70, close to 1700, now it's about a little under 300 students in the building. And so that leaves a whole lot of empty space, just a whole lot of empty space. And so the way I, I think, I'm like, if we have a bunch of community voids and we have a whole bunch of empty space, to me, you just plug in the people, right? And so when, when I developed 360, you know, the mission statement that I taught the young folks was to use relationship building gifts and talents to promote self-determination in the Black community. So nothing about money, just us, right? That's all we really need. And so I just started taking over empty space to feel like immaterial and material voice. So what do you want to call a material, spiritual voice, however you want to call it. So with Blackstar, before that, we did that. It was an unkept piece of land for like nine years and the grass and the weeds were like taller than me. And it was all type of fucking litter and debris that was in there. So just cleaning up that space and turning it into a garden, what that does for the community, like spiritually, you know, internally, it's a good feeling like, okay, our community is being beautified. But then the other piece was that we also live in a food desert. So if we could find ways just to grow tomatoes, just to grow cucumbers, just to grow zucchini, just to grow herbs and basil and stuff like that. That is a step in the right direction towards addressing like the food desert. And then from that, I kind of just started going a tiny bit like crazy. So then I took over like another, I took over classrooms, like empty classrooms and turned those into a hydroponic lab. So we can grow food inside because Chicago has very short winters. We turn another room and convert it into like a cultural space, right? So what is this space? If we produce an alternative form of education, we need to create the space that speaks to that alternative form of education that's happening. So we converted a room into like a black center cultural space, right? That, that we teach adults and our young folks in. Uh, I'm in the process of converting another room into a photo studio. Uh, so we can offer like portraits or family portraits. And then since I uh, had the connection with UIC, uh, we've been in conversation with the College of Nursing at UIC to put a health clinic in one of the, uh, into one of the empty rooms in the school building because there's no health clinic in the community. So to me, it's just about if you have ideas, it's really about the ideas, right? It's showing that we have like the sweat equity or the sweat equity, whatever the word you want to call that, to make stuff happen. And so for us, it was just really as simple as that. And so now we're just in the space that we're just constantly creating initiatives that not only, you know, meet basic needs, but also like fill all type of community voids. So, yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, and there's other stuff to talk about with 360, but. There's so much to talk about. And there's a lot of other stuff, yeah, <laughs> that we're working on too, yeah. Yeah. Um... You've addressed so much that I wanted to talk to you about, like how you fill educational gaps, um, which I think is like so important and amazing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not from Chicago, um, but I am a product of public school. Um, and growing up, I've learned that I haven't learned a lot. <laughs> Yeah, we really don't learn too much. And, and, I, and I just don't want to get down on public schools. I don't think schooling in general. 
So even if you can afford to send your child to a school that you can pay for, you still not really learn this shit now. <laughs> because, and, and that's a different conversation around like capitalism and all that type of stuff. But yeah, no one's really learning in these yeah. schools. I love how much you promote the value of like yourself too, you know, like yeah. that all this comes from within you just like you have these things and you use your skills and your values in yourself. And like, these are important aspects to bring to everything. Yeah. And cause I, I mean, that. cause, cause schools don't teach you that or like society mm -hmm. doesn't teach you. Society doesn't teach you that society doesn't teach you. Like, you know, you have everything you need, like within you. Right. Like, you know that, right? And yeah. then you can pull that together with other people who think that there's really nothing you all can do. You know that, right? But society is not bent, is not bent on us thinking like that because we have to be dependent on like all these other things. And in actuality, we really don't need anything but ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really, and education is the root that really is still in that inside of people's hearts and minds, really. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> like we see so often that success comes from whatever it is, but usually it's backed by somebody else. And I think what you're doing is so inspiring because like you said, you use your sweat equity to really get to where you're going. And then the mission is never lost because you don't have somebody else determining what you should be doing because it's your mission. And everybody that's involved feels a sense of like a real sense of ownership because oh, yeah. they did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like serious ownership, uh, which is a different thing. It's a different feeling. Like, but it's like understanding, like you always compare this, but that's how you understand like how an entrepreneur feels. It's like, man, I built this thing. Like, and me and these other people built this thing. The the sense of ownership you have around that, the sense of pride you have in that. And I think one thing uh that's really focused that one thing we really focus on is education, like teaching, 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 right? And we're really huge on history, right? because traditional school systems do not teach history, they teach his story, which are totally two different things, right? And with the young, young folks and the adults, right? Because I think sometimes we think that like adults are fully evolved and no, it, that's just not the case either because that education system has, doesn't produce that type of human being. But when you study uh, history and ancestors and people who came before us, then it's more validation that you can do shit. Because like, if I tell you like, you know, we can do this thing. And if people are like, yeah, we can, no, we can. How you figure that? You pull up history and like, well, history has shown people who actually did do this shit and they did it with less shit than we have right now. And it's like, oh, okay. And so then it gives a stronger strength and a stronger motivation. So even like, so even in 360, cause the whole point was to like create more than an org, but like this lifestyle and values and principles that people can really internalize. So like you know, hope, creativity, reflection, resilience, uh, the prophets of 360, like Harriet Tubman, Marcus Garvey, Ella Baker, Malcolm X, right? Our young folks study these people. And so most organizations, they're bent around a justice issue. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, whether it's like against police or whether it's like, you know, against like food insecurities or against like the health industry. We came to understand like all of these things impact people and especially black folks and like low income communities, like all of these things. So if we were to compartmentalize 
like the disparities and the struggles, we really wouldn't be addressing like the whole human being. And so a big thing with them like uh, understanding history and learning about these prophets is to a certain extent, a lot of our energy comes like from them people. Like, believe it or not, like when you study like someone like Ella Baker and like the sacrifices she made, the tireless work she did, in some way, shape or form, you take on their energy, you take on their thoughts. Like when you read the thoughts of someone, you're actually taking in like their energy to a certain extent. That's the beauty of writing and like sharing your thoughts. And so therefore, a lot of the strength and the motivation, we're not a historical people. So we understand like uh, the reason that we're here right now because our ancestors represented a certain thing. And so therefore we pull strength from them as well, just like someone in the future is gonna pull strength from us, right? And so that was the whole point that it's always this continuous thing. And when you have that, you really don't need uh, any of these other things that try to control your vision or your mission or any of that. Um, can you speak to the four rights and daily practices that 360 adheres to? Yeah, so those are things that we kind of developed over the past year because so it was the right to, and, and it was really simple to easy. It was like the right to congregate, the right to educate, the right to real estate, the right to demonstrate, right? It's easy to remember and it's rhyme, but they're like basic. So like the definition of radical, people say right, radical really means fundamental, like really just stripped down without all the bells and whistles, just strictly fundamental. And so for us, the right to congregate, the right to be able to convene and to convene with other people in public space when you want to is like a basic right. And to be able to do it outside of some reaction to something outside of us. So usually what happens, something happens to a community member or like for instance, like you know, George Floyd is not an isolated thing, but situations like that happen. And then folks come together to, uh, to whatever it is, whether it's to protest, whether it's to talk, whether it's to dialogue, and that's all well and good. But the deeper thing about that is that, what does it mean to congregate on your own fruition without a reaction to what someone has done? To congregate just for the sake of saying, we love each other and we want to be around each other. That's actually more of a threat than anything, because as long as I'm acting in reaction to something the oppressor does, the oppression always have control over my actions and even my thoughts. But if I'm thinking and moving outside of like the reaction to them, then that's more of a liberated thing because you do not have control over that. And so uh, the way architecture has even been shaped and formed and constructed over the last few years, it's made so we don't congregate how we used to. You don't have like open town hall spaces like that no more. It's just open market spaces where people come. That's done for a reason, right? Uh, and COVID has exacerbated it because now people are literally in the home, right? And so our whole thing was congregating is a fundamental right. Education is a fundamental right. I pay taxes. My parents paid taxes. And my parents thought how I thought. My parents, but they, you know, and that's why I, and that's why we, each generation evolves, of course. But I'm thinking like, if I have a child and I'm paying taxes, meaning my taxes pay the Chicago public school system. And if I feel that my child is not getting what they need to be their full actualized selves, then I should not pay for that shit. And then I should take it upon myself and others like me to bring forth the education I do feel is needed. 
I have two options, I, I three options. I could one, I could keep trying to get a power structure or influence a power structure to give me what I need. Or I could completely do nothing and be neutral. Or I could do the opposite and say, you know what? I'm gonna to work to try to produce the very thing that we do want to see. And so one of the most revolutionary things I thought we did was going into a Chicago public school and unapologetically teaching students what we knew for a fact that they weren't getting. And that Chicago public school didn't, didn't have the capabilities of doing in the first place, right? So that right to educate is a fundamental thing. And education is different than schooling, right? Because schooling is a perpetuation of route memorization, well, route memorization in order to perpetuate like the status quo. Whereas in education, derives from the word educare, which means to pull out what is already within. Totally different way of approaching like transferring information to someone, right? And so that's what we, that's how we view education. That was the whole point. Uh, the right to real estate. And we don't, when we talk about real estate, we don't necessarily focus on like housing, like necessarily, like people think of a house. We think about just space, just space in general. So whether it's a house, whether it's empty land, whether it's an unused school building, whether it's an unused church. To me, when I see empty space, I see an opportunity. And so it's just us thinking around just like space, who we are in space, how we operate around space, how do we acquire space, and then how do we transform space? Uh, so that's the right to real estate piece. And then demonstrate. And the piece with demonstrate, um, I think when most people think of demonstration, what does it mean to demonstrate? Most people think of protesting, like we're about to go demonstrate, this thing happened, we're about to go demonstrate. But it's funny, that's why I like reading, I like getting dictionary definitions, right? Because sometimes you'd be like, but that's not really what demonstrate means in this most radical fundamental sense. It means to model something that you would like to see being done. And so if you're thinking about liberation, absolute freedom, marching down the street, believe it or not, and I'm not against it, I'm not against that form because that needs to happen at times, but that doesn't actually model what a free person looks like or how a free person operates, right? And so then it's like, what does it mean to demonstrate that said thing? And believe it or not, it really came a lot from like Chicago gang culture, believe it or not, because Chicago gang culture back in the day, they would say this thing like, what's your demonstration? How do you demonstrate? And you would have to talk about these list of things that you do and beliefs that you live by, because that's my actual demonstration of this actual philosophy and ideal. And so therefore our whole thing was, let's model what this thing looks like. So for us, Black Star Garden is a demonstration. Like the hydroponic lab is a demonstration. <laughs> Little Miracles is a demonstration. And we really did that because when you're thinking about doing things that may be different or that hasn't been talked about before, you got to create your own language around it. And so therefore, people's like, well, like, is it a business? So like, even like I was talking to Christina about this concept around Fifth Ave that we want to do this barbecue thing. People like, is that going to be a business? It's like, I don't want to say that because you only think of it in a certain type of way. And it's like, oh, well, this is just a charity thing. Nah, because I don't want to say that either, because you're only going to think about it in a certain type of way. It's a combination of all those things. And so therefore, it's just another demonstration of 360. So it's like all of these things are just demonstrations of what actual freedom can look like. Uh, the four understandings, um, that was important, understand our relationships to each other. That's like, 
that's one of the, the most basic fundamental things that I think we miss out on a lot. Like how do we actually build relationships with like the people who live like next door to us and people who are somewhat like different from us. Um, our relationship to money, that's a huge one because I think, you know, I could study communist manifesto and I could study like communism and socialism and all these type of things, but America still exists. The United States of America still exists how it exists. Capitalism money is still a thing. And so before I tell people who are struggling financially, who are living in poverty, before I tell them some irresponsible shit, like money don't matter, you don't need money. It's like, well, that's easy to say, my stomach growling. Like, what do you like? Before I say some shit like that, to me, which is an irresponsible thing to tell people who are actually struggling, is how do we study and understand our relationships to money and with money? Because I think with that, you come to understand that the end goal is not money. The end goal is freedom. Money could be a tool to get at that said thing, right? So what is our relationship like to that? Uh, our relationship to the land, uh, which is so important. That's why working on the garden, just like, it's almost sounds so fundamental, the connection between human beings and land that is sometimes difficult to explain, but the connection to the land, like there's no other way to build a stronger connection like than you, than the human being with the earth. It's just what it is. And when you come to build that the relationship with the land, you come to understand that there's this connection between you and the land and you really are more powerful than you thought you was because you can manipulate land to serve a need how you want. Like developers do it all the time. It serves their financial need, but how do we manipulate you know, land that it actually serves like these spiritual as well, I mean, these immaterial as well as like material voids as well. So uh, did I miss one? Did I only say three? Yes, the relationship to history. Yes, of course, right. So that's like, and I talked about that one like earlier. Um, I think we forget that. I think we, I think folks feel like because we don't study history, history is not a thing that's like tested on. Like the ACT, the SAT, they don't ask you about history. Like it just doesn't happen, right? And because we don't do that, I think people live ahistorically. Like people do shit and then they fail at that thing and then they don't understand why they fail. And the first thing I always ask, like, did you read any history on the people who, who tried that too? You know you're not the first one to try that. You can't think you're that smart that you're the first person to come up with this idea, right? So did you study the people who did it before you and how they failed or how they succeeded? Oh no, okay. So that's why you failed. And so like building that connection to history is understanding that. I had a friend that says this thing is called transtemporal. And he was like, we're not in the past and we're not in the future. We're all of these things. Like time is like this constant moving thing that's not compartmentalized from the other. So you can't really fully think about your present or even envision the future and think you can do that without like knowing aspects of history. Like it just don't make sense. And so it's understanding that time is not a compartmentalized thing. It's always something that we're constantly working through in like these various dimensions. So having a strong connection to history is just like, it's just so important. Yeah, that's why Dr. Manhattan is so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I have, I have a real question. <laughs> well, I have <laughs> another hilarious question and a real question. Um, does the number four have like a significant meaning? Yep. Or, 
Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you okay, you talked that one. Okay. That was a good one. So like even when our young folks, when we meet, we always run through these things. Like, so whenever we check in, it's always the mission. It's always like how I'm feeling today. And then the mission. So that's like tattooed in like all our heads, right? Uh, then we always go through the profits, but then always like, okay, what's the magic number? Four, four is the magic number. And the reason, and it's basically like really fundamental things, right? So each profit represents 90 degrees. 90 times four is what? 360. Each value represents 90 degrees. You know what I'm saying? Each um, each right represent each right represent 90 degrees. Each connection represent 90 degrees, right? So 90 times four, 90 degrees, it brings you to 360 degrees. But then if you ever look up the number four, it means grounded, stability, being committed, uh, being focused. It's all of these things, these principles that you would want to have for someone who's committed, like to community, right? And so the number four, it represents that. It's just the number of like. Uh, of, like I say, groundness, stability, completeness, uh, and four corners of everything, four corners of the world, four corners of the universe, four corners of your heart. Even if you want to go on like this, uh, the Wu, Wu-Tang, right? That was, the, their first album was called nine, 36 Chambers. Why was it called 36 Chambers? It was four chambers of the heart and it was nine of them, right? And so that's how 36 Chambers came about. Uh, but I always loved the number four because of what it meant. And so then when I started laying out all of these things with 360, everything was always a multiples of four. One, it makes it easier to remember. And then two, it just makes for good science, like the science of 360. It just makes for like what's called righteous mathematics. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, four, it represents all of these things. So yeah, that's a good question. I thought I saw a pattern. I was like, yeah. I noticed something. Um, my other question is, do you think that there's a reason why we ignore history like as a culture why we try oh, why, yeah. not necessarily why we ignore it but why we just kind of don't prioritize it as much as other yeah because the truth is in the history like so i think about this is really really fundamental but is it no well that's a bad example it's so many, I could not, I could literally write a whole dissertation on like why we do not study history the way we do, but because the truth is in it. Like no matter what you want to say, the history is the history. And when you have the power to hide the history, you control everything. And so it's always like, what is it like the story of the hunter and the lion, but the story is always told by the hunter or whatever. That's bogus. That's like one side. That's not history. That is his story, right? But when you get into actual history, there's a different thing. So like CPS doesn't teach history. So for instance, in 360, we teach history. We go in depth with history. We have deeper dialogues around history. And young folks would say, you know, the only thing we ever learn in history about Black people is slavery and Martin Luther King, right? So can you imagine if your whole life, if that's all you ever hear about yourself, then what do you think of yourself? It's just really as straightforward as that. And so when you teach history like pre-United States of America, because United States of America is a baby. So the fact that the United States only likes to study its history, that's for a reason. Because once you get into world history, it's like, oh, this explains a lot. Like this explains how things have come to this point. And history is just like a really affirming thing. So when we study like not only about like Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey, but when you learn about like Imani Ramis who ruled the Kush empire 
this woman that had one eye that used to go to war with her soldiers and defeated kings and would chop off their heads and keep it under her throne. It's like, oh shit, this person existed? Like this was an actual person that actually existed? Or when they learned about like Mansa Musa, right? Who is recording the history to being the richest person that ever existed. There's not even a number that can tally what he was possibly worth, right? And so then when you study the history of this dude, and like how when he would travel from town to town, he would cause like inflation and the whole cost of like everything to rise because he would just like give money away or just like, well, not money, but like gold and all type of goods and all this type of shit away. When you just study like um, ancient history, when you study like Ethiopia, when you study Ghana, when you study Rome, when you study Greece, you know, when you study ancient mythology, when you... It's like, oh shit, it's like you just become more of an informed person on the human experience, right? And you also become a more complicated person. Uh, and there's some pain there because there's some things of history that's just not good, right? But I'm not about avoiding pain as a mechanism. No, like we gotta work through the pain. That's a whole part of being human, right? We get nowhere by avoiding like the hard truths. And I feel like history is filled with a whole bunch of hard truths and it just gain, it grants you clarity and it helps with intuition, like big time. Because when you study history and then you live according to that, you can predict things. You predict things like, no, this is what's gonna happen. Like, especially on the societal level, You're like, oh, this is what's gonna happen. How do you know? Because history showed that this is what happens when these things happen. And if you study history, you would know that too. And therefore we wouldn't be repeating shit. And so um, I think that's like what, I think history is like the most fundamental aspect of like human development. Because um, I think the more you can control the history and can control narratives, that's where the actual power lies. Actually. Um. Did we talk about the values, the created? created? No. Okay. Um, no. Well, can we talk about <laughs> our values? Yeah. And, and so it was a minute. Well, uh, coming up with those values, I wanted to be intentional uh, with that, and even the order that they were in, right? So, like, hope is the first thing. Without hope, it's pretty much nothing. Like, it doesn't even matter. You can't create unless you hope for something, right? And so, hope creativity, reflection, that history piece, which is so valued. But that creativity piece, is, well, the whole piece, that's, you know, pretty self-explanatory. You need to hope for something in order to wish for something, you know, in order to achieve this other thing. The creativity piece uh, is big for us because that lies at like one of the fundamental roots of like the human existence is the ability to fantasize and imagine and the agency to actually create said thing that you fantasized and imagined about. Uh, it actually what brings you closer to the source of your power of what it really means to be human. The human experience, the world, the universe, however you wanna look about it, it's all bent around creativity. It's about pushing things forward, imagining and making us expand like uh, the possibilities. So creativity, reflection, the history piece. Uh, it lends so much to creativity and the process of like, I thought about a thing, I create the thing, now I reflect on the thing, now I do the thing again. And that should always be the process of life anyway. It's like, I did it, I reflect on it, let me do it again and do it again. So that reflection piece is just, uh, it's so key. 
and then the resilience piece. And actually we had a conversation about two weeks ago and well, I proposed it and everybody voted it. They agreed with it, that we would change the last value from resilience to perseverance. And the reason is, is because resilience is more about what the external has done to you. So resilience means like this thing happened to me and I was able to push through. But perseverance doesn't necessarily speak to like creativity. So if oppression did not exist and I wanted to build a thing or I wanted to do a thing, there still would be moments where I'm like, I don't want to do this no more. I'm done. I don't feel like doing it. And perseverance is what would make you push through to do that thing. And so it's, it embodies resilience, but it also speaks beyond resilience, right? So it's just like the ability to always persevere and to push through to achieve a collective goal that we know actually benefits the overall collective. So that's how uh, I came up with the values in that order in particular. Um, I love that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome with 360 Nation over people, the years? People, people, like, people. Are the, people are the worst, I can be the worst. Yeah, Which, I'm sorry, you about to ask something else? I was gonna say, is it getting the buy-in of people? Is it relying on people like it's all of that it's all of that is getting the buy-in it's relying on people it's dealing with absolute ignorant people it's dealing with people who are in leadership positions who are responsible for the development of young people and they're just like complete tools just tools just absolute tools right and having to work with people having to work with those people to achieve a thing right so it's like even the school that i'm you think the staff think about education, how we think about it? Absolutely not, right? And sometimes that's just a struggle in itself, right? Uh, and that's when I came to understand that this, that this strive for like liberation or freedom, it's bigger than just any one battle that you're dealing with a person. It's a whole paradigm that you're like operating against. It's like, you. it's just imagine like this, a, the strongest wind that you ever face it and you're walking in the opposite direction of it. It's like, you can tell yourself like, look, I, I, I'm taking a step a day because this shit is just that tough, but it's a step a day. And so like, even the thing that we do in 360, whenever we together, we always close out. It's never perfect. I say like one person to say never perfect and everybody else to say always progress, right? Because that's the thing to remember. It's like, it's not about perfection. It's about always progress though. As long as we always can move forward. That is the main thing. And so just dealing with people, like, uh, and I'm a developmental, since, and I think me being a developmental psychologist helped big time because people talk about policies and I'm like, look, it's all about the psychoanalytical. It's really about how people think individually and collectively when it boils down to it. And with something like 360, the way we operate, you know, a lot of people are intimidated by that. It's not like we're rah-rah in people's face, but it's like, you want me to kind of like be more than what's expected of me? Yeah, that's like, you're actually like, you want me to reach like this bar and you want me to do this? You want me to show some like leadership? Uh, you want me to take initiative? Mm, that's a lot. Or just how we think about just education. It's just like, 
or just like all of this shit that I've just been talking to y'all about today. It's like for a lot of people, it's like whatever. Or just even, you know, capitalism is a beast. You know, it's like I could have became a I could have became a CPS principal. I could have easily did that. I could have easily went that route. I could have been like, man, I need to get this money. I need to get the six figures. I'm gonna just come a high school, I'm gonna come one of these school principals. But the one reason I did not do that because I knew that I would have really been like, to a certain extent at that time in my life, no different than like a plantation overseer, right? I really would not have the control to do this shit how I wanted to do it. I really just would have been the manager of some racist person above me and above them that's dictating what education needs to look like. And so to me, I took more pride in like, okay, I got friends, I got a couple, I know friends that are like, I went to college with, they're principals and all that now. And they don't live in a community, in the community that they don't live in a community that they work in and they got their nice house or whatever. And they, you know, they drive in a nice car, or whatever. And that's what they take pride in. It's like, okay, that's cool. It's like, I took pride in like creating some shit that did not exist before I existed. And to me, that means more than any type of money. And the thing is, we all educated, so it ain't like money won't come. Like that, that, that really has to be the end goal. So it's just like working through that whole paradigm of people's thinking. It's like, that shit is like really tough. And then when you work with young folks, uh, you already dealing with the developmental shit with them. But I could let a lot of that slide because how's a 12 and 13 or 14 year old going to act? They're going to act like a 12, 13 or 14 year old. It's the 40 year olds and shit, you know what I'm saying? That really made it difficult. And it became this time, like the young folks now, they're 15, they're 16. And I can honestly say they may very well be smarter than all the adults in their lives. And it's just like, it's just what it is, right? Because they were, getting, they were able to get involved in the thing that chose to put a different thing in them than anything else was. And that's difficult. Like adultism is a real thing, like how we treat young people. And when you're talking about young folks of color and black young folks, it's compiled on top of that. And so just having to deal with that, having to deal with folks that just wanted to like um, use 360 as like this show maker thing, like, look, we're working with these folks in the hood don't we feel better about ourselves, right? So always fighting against that. Always fighting against people who are trying to throw money at us. Like I walked away from like good deals of money before, right? Like, you know, I might have been stubborn, you know, uh, I've sat in on meetings with foundations and early on and they would say, well, how much do you need? And I would say, well, you know, we already implemented three programs. So need is not the word that I'm comfortable with using. But if you would like to use your capital to help us support our end goal from what we're trying to do, that's greatly appreciated. Those meetings are in. <laughs> like in the next few minutes, you gotta, uh... and, and the thing was, it was just because I don't even know if people intentionally was against what I was saying. It was just this whole other thing. And traditionally, that's not how foundations and organizations work. Organizations need foundations now here come this dude you know like no nah, we don't need you if anything we're gonna make you look better by partnering with us it's like what the fuck? and so 
you know, dealing with that. And so at times you get discouraged. You know, at times I was discouraged, like maybe this, maybe I just need to stop this, you know, maybe and even having people with me that I was working with me and even they would get discouraged, right? So then at times it was just like literally me like alone, you know, to a certain extent, because to a certain extent I am still alone with it because if some shit happened with 360 right now, it's going to fall on me. It's not going to fall on like the other folks, right? So it's just always thinking about that. It's always thinking about the next big picture. And it's always making sure that I'm like modeling it in a way that the folks who work with 360 can hop on board. Any type of people who question the 360 or down 360, you can't doubt it. So like by, and that's why I always is big on producing things. Because when you produce things, you can't deny that. And it made it ever difficult for the principal to ever say no to us. I'm like, yeah, I want to build a hydroponic lab. You really going to tell me no? <laughs> this right. makes you look better. Like, this makes you look better mm -hmm. and so it's it was it's that type of thing so i think for me the biggest struggle is just you know trying to produce a world within the world that's completely counter to what it is that you want to see um so now being six years in yeah six years yeah so you have some people some students that were involved and are now like reaching an age of going to college or whatever getting into adulthood mm -hmm. um i'm really curious about what their development has been like and like you said there's a lot of these people who are smarter than their teachers or adults that surround them so i'm curious about like how they've possibly advocated for this new education and like if they receive any support from outside sort like systems outside of 360 that are like you know what all right you're not just a dumb kid <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's interesting so bianca and i so Bianca is the person that uh, if it was someone that's like what you consider like second in 360, like in charge or something like that, that'd be like Bianca and Al because they were like there from the, they always been there from like the very beginnings and stuff like that. And so Bianca and I, we met earlier today and we talked about that very thing because this summer, um, one of the, when our consciousness raising sessions with the young folks, you know, we journal and stuff and I had them you know, writing a journal is like, what are like the major issues that y'all see are happening like in your lives, in your community that you feel like are impacting y'all the most? And so they all wrote like different things from like sexual assault to like women not being valued to like gun violence and all that. But one thing they all had was the lack of being culturally affirmed in their schools. And that really came about, it's not like we told them that, but me being like, focusing on developmental psychology, I'm always thinking about like what's going on with them mentally, cognitively. And so they're expressing more and more frustration with school because it's like, okay, this school thing, this is the thing y'all tell me I gotta go to, I gotta do well in because I can make, I can go to a particular type of school where I make sure I can get a particular type of job where I can make enough money and I can move out the hood. Nah. That's the whole, I mean, teachers, everybody, principals, that's everything that's bombarded to them since like kindergarten. Like this shit gets indoctrinated in them very young, very young. 
So by the time they're in sixth and seventh grade, they're already stressing about standardized test scores and what high school they're going to be able to go into, which is going to predict the rest of their future. Then you have these other folks, these 360 folks, and like me in particular, where it's like, I'm not a shirt and tie person, right? I know how to tie ties and like different ways to do it, but that's not my, that's not how I choose the right dress. Where every principle is more or less like that. Uh, like I have all these visible tattoos and like I still talk a certain way and all of that type of shit. But then what they also see is like, like I'm still in school and they like, I know this dude D is like, and Bianca know they're actually smarter than our teachers. Like we know this because they teach us like our teachers teach us and they're taking it to another level past our teachers. So what happens is it's like this alternative way of living that like 360 shows them. It's like, so is there's actually a different way to live outside than what everybody has been telling me my whole life? Huh. And so then they see that. And so school is this place that's like, this is what you need in order to get here. You got to do well in order to get this job. But then they experience 360 and they like, I'm feeling things in myself that I don't feel in a regular school space. I know how 360 is directly benefiting me and my family right now. Like it's directly benefiting me and my family now. But school isn't benefiting me or my family right now. Also, not only are they struggling with the subjects, whether it's like math or science, they're also struggling with how these subjects connect to their actual lives, right? So that's like a double layer of them struggling. Whereas in 360, the only struggle is, is about producing and creating shit. Everything else lines up and makes sense. Like the history, the skill development, it all makes sense. So the, frustrated, the frustration that is sitting in for them now, which they have been expressing more and more since the summer, is that I don't want to do this school thing anymore. I do not want to do it anymore. Because what happens is, is that that's why my biggest, one of my biggest philosophies is that I'm not a deconstructionist. So people be like, abolish prisons or deconstruct these institutions. That's not how human nature works. So when people have like stop the violence rallies, like that doesn't work because like, how do you stop violence? Like, how does that, how does that work? Is that the end goal? Is the end goal to stop violence or is the end goal to have like more of a peaceful world? And if that is the end goal, speak to that. You cannot, don't speak to stopping violence because then you never will stop violence that way. And so the same thing with education, it's like, I could say, I want to deconstruct CPS. Ooh. What would that do? Because CPS lives in the hearts and minds of people, just like capitalism does, just like policing does, right? So it was like, you have to show people an alternative. And then once they put themselves into the alternative, then they come to see that the original thing, it doesn't hold up. It's not validated anymore. And so that's what's been happening with them. And, now, and then at 15, 16, you know, now, so cognitively what's happening, they're making more sense, they're connecting more dots. And so, yeah, what is happening to them now is like, they don't want to go to traditional school anymore. And like, and so it's kind of like, they, and so Justice, what was funny, asked the other day, she was like, D, do you think you can get me into college? And I'm like, do you think I could teach you how to take like an ACT or SAT so you can do like well enough to get into like, a, she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I could do that because that's how I passed the ACT. And somebody taught me how to take that test, literally. Like, they just taught me how to take it. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. And she was like, so what's up then? We can't just do like 360 school? Like we can't just go to school? But it makes, in her mind, it makes absolute sense because the whole thing was is that she necessarily, 
her end goal isn't necessarily college either because I think she's starting to think beyond that, like even beyond college. But what she do know, the selling point to her parent is by saying like, I can get into college regardless. Like I can still get into college because that's what the parent is caring most about. And so I'm just more interested at this space that they're at right now, that they're frustrated with this. And so then this summer, they talked about what would it mean for them to create some type of campaign that got at really bringing up the conversation or bringing to light the conversation around how like schools really contribute to the detriment of young people. And since I like study this, like I can lay this out clear as day, like on this board, like this is school, this is everything it's about. This is everything that a young person needs to be fully actualized. And this is how the school system actually does the opposite of getting young folks to that place, right? It's really, it's like two plus two is four. It's really that simple how schools actually serve more to the detriment of people and families and communities than anything. And so that's where they're at right now. And we've been able to pull in like some teachers at Sumner because you show and prove. They see this thing happening and it can't be denied. So then I'm able to work with some teachers around like how do we create a curriculum that's more culturally appropriate? You know, how do we create the pedagogy that more speaks to their lived experiences and things like that? But it's still a struggle and it's still a battle. But that's why young folks are, they're actually at this place now that they're like, I see the other possibility. And I'm disillusioned by what everything y'all said was supposed to be because I, I got proof of this other thing now. And so I think it's more of a frustration for them because now they're seeing more and more how like the school thing is just like, this is some bullshit. And then now they have to do it virtually. It's really like, you know what? This is really simple. Like my time is really being wasted right now. But it's frustrating because then as a young person, how do you tell your parent like, I mean, I thought that like, but I think the beauty is by creating this alternative, it's a way of showing people like, look, it is an alternative. It's an alternative to like how we can do this education thing. So yeah, I know I said a lot with that answer, but no, that's, that's, yeah. And uh, yeah. Right, go ahead, I was like, especially the ending is so amazing. Like telling people that there are opportunities outside of this one thing that has been ascribed to us for so long, like basic education, high school, college, graduate school, job, whatever. And it's like, there's a whole fucking world out there of things that you can do, that you can learn from, that you can grow Seriously. with. And you don't have to just do this fucking thing. Seriously. And I think that's amazing. It's absolutely ridiculous because it's like, it's the most like, enslavement thing. I mean, I ain't gonna say the most, but it's so enslaving. It's like, I can only do, it's like, I because that's all about capitalism. Mm -hmm. Like, because when we talk about self-actualizing, it doesn't fit into a capitalistic agenda because I think about like the, at the PhD. So a lot of people, they was like, you know, I can't wait till I can get done with school. That's what it's all about. So I can get done with school, get this PhD, then I can become a professor. And then, you know, then that's the end goal. I really be free to do this, do this. And I'm, I'm just for like an eyeball in there because I'm like, man, that's not how I view it. No, that's not how I feel about it. And it was like, what are you saying? I'm like, to me, like real freedom is I get this PhD and I would go and come like a musical engineer or some shit. Like, and then when I'm done being a musical engineer, it's like, I want to go like put greenhouses all around Chicago. And then after I do that, I think I want to study architecture because I got thoughts of like building like tiny home. Like to me, that's how life's supposed to, but that doesn't fit like a capitalistic agenda because it's like that that's not necessarily about making money that's about like building currency and capital in a whole different type of way it's about building a certain legacy and so <clears throat> what i want for young folks is like when they come out of high school like i had the opportunity to go to college 
Nobody else in my family, my mother did two years of college and that's the most that anybody else in my family had ever done in college. So when I had this opportunity to go to college, it was like, oh, hey, I'm going to college. But now that I, fat, I rewind, what I would love for the young folks when they're coming out of high school is that they have options. So they're like, you know what? I'm gonna do this college thing because I want to do this college thing because I've been studying this thing since I was 12 and I know I can go to school and major in it and I can get done with that shit quick and get it out the way. Or they could say like, no, nah, you know what? I want to explore this other thing because I'm thinking about and I've experienced other things. I want to do this. Or I want to go start this business. Then I'm going to come back to the college thing because I, I plan to, like that's actual freedom because it's like, not only do I have the agency and the efficacy to not to have multiple options before me. Also, if I don't like the options I have, I can create alternative options. Like that's actual like freedom. And that's how I want like everybody to live. But these young folks in particular, I would love that, that they come out of high school and they like, you know what, man, I've been learning all this shit about history. I'm finna go do a gap year because of y'all, I was able to save us some money. I'm about to go travel the world for a year. Okay, there you go. I was like, you know what? I want to do this agricultural thing even deeper. I want to become a botanist without having to go to school. And so then when I do go to school for sustainability, like agriculture, I'm going to knock that shit out. I'm going to probably get done. Like, and because it's about that ownership of that said thing. It's not, a, it's not about letting things be done to you. It's like how you can do this to these things, right? So this whole, like you say, this whole school, 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 they get a good job, that's bullshit. All right. mm -hmm. It's weak as hell. And then we and then how many people have degrees that can't that don't have employment? And then on top of that, they don't have a skill set. And they're saddled with a shit ton of debt. A shit ton of debt. <laughs> and so it's like, what was all this for? Like, what was all this for? It's like, and then on top of that, you don't even have a skill set. So now you're in debt. You don't even have a skill to make you some money outside the degree that's not making you any money. It's like, what the fuck is that about? You know, that's but like you, you fit this traditional structure that was told to you from the time that you were a young kid until on. So you you did the thing. So why aren't you getting the rewards that you were promised from the time you were a small child until yep. whenever? Yep. yep. And so like, the you know, that 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 American dream or that American promise, we just need to show folks that it's like a falsehood. It's just like. It's bullshit and it's not mm -hmm. and it's not real to a certain extent. I mean, it is and it ain't, you know, and so it's that. But you have to put people into that space to experience that. And so now with like the young folks, it's like not only are they, you know, they're like 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 pretty deep critical thinkers now to be 15 and 16. Like I wish I could have been with their at, at this age, right? And I wish I would have had like three, six when I was the age. But they also like, they know how to convert land to grow food on it. They know how to grow food inside. Uh, they know how to like slow cook like a whole pig and all type of meat and understanding like culinary art. And so then the whole point of they, they're learning like photography, analog photography, right? So then at the very least, they could grow up to be interesting people. Like how many people we know with degrees are not interested at all? It's like, what the fuck is this shit? It's like, and so at least they could be very interesting and just like well-evolved people. And they know how to do these things at a time when the rest of their generation is stuck to screens. Learning from, I don't even wanna say learning from screens, but just due to lazy parenting, yep. subject to not being creative at all. 
Seriously. And and I mean, even for the adults in 360, like it's even like especially for Bianca and I, or even like myself, really, I really understand that a lot of the role you're playing is like another parent too. Because it's like you, it's like especially understand developing young folks, you know what's needed, you know what they need, you know what they need. And then you also understand that some parents may not be giving them that thing that they need. And so therefore, when you do introduce or try to push them into that thing that they need that nobody else is telling them they need, you will get initial pushback. But like a parent, I push back even more, right? And so then when they experience, they're like, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, okay. And then you build that relationship over the course of years. And then you do become like another parent. And so then, especially like for young folks like Justice and like Anthony and stuff like that, I mean, they view me as like, I mean, they view me as a father figure too, you know, and they say that. And I view them as like daughters because like everything I put into them is what I would put into like my own child, right? And so I think it's understanding that you have to be like unapologetic, like because our society is unapologetically full of shit. And so it's like, it's unapologetic with all this bullshit. And so it's like, if you know you got the righteous thing, you got to be just as unapologetic, not or even more unapologetic, right? And they have to see that. And so, yeah. As a young person, it just has to be like, so empowering to hear someone like, say the things that you say, like as someone who didn't go to college, um, but like was always told that that was pretty much the only option if you wanted to be successful or like have a good career, make a good living. I can like only imagine, like if I had someone like you around in my youth to tell me that like, no, this is all bullshit. This is all like a facade that's built on lies. And like, you don't, need to do these things to be successful all you need is to like invest in yourself a little bit more yeah and it's just so inspiring that's why i haven't said shit this entire time because yeah. i'm just like i i don't know what to say you know just thinking the exact same thing as a two-time college dropout <laughs> like mm -hmm. i wish somebody said this stuff to me then rather than me being like if I would have thought about the options when I was there, I like if I had the knowledge I had now, I would have been in a way better position, but instead I just didn't have any guidance. And I was like, this is what I have to do. This is what they say I have to yeah. do. Well, an, any adult who talks to a kid with like, they're a person rather than a child who doesn't know anything. Right. Giving them so many like tools and abilities to make decisions for themselves instead of just being like, well, here's my cookie cutter and here's what I'm doing and here's where I'm going from. And it's like, no, you're a fucking person. Like, what here. do you want from the world? Here are your tools. Make choices. Do things. Exactly. Because because that's and that's why, you know, like that. And I think it has a lot to do with my focus around like youth development that I don't, we're probably the only adults who don't treat them like their children and like kids. It's like, it's just like, because you know how many four-year-olds that are children? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm around 40 year olds all the day who are children, like for real children. And so when I'm around like 15 year olds, there's no reason I have to treat them like a child. I talk to them direct, like I'm talking to y'all right now. And it's refreshing. Cause they're like, damn, you always be real with us and shit. <laughs> the fuck else am I gonna do? I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't do that. And I think the piece around being able to tell them that there's more outside this college thing 
and coming from someone who's doing the traditional route as well. And I think that's what like validates me more to say that. So I think because I am getting my PhD, it, beho it beholds me more to say, this is bullshit. <laughs> because it's like, oh, you really do know this, but yes, this is bullshit. And it's like, <laughs> and I do well in this bullshit. And I think that's that other piece, right? Is that like, cause we talk about that. Like we asked how school going and how their grades going and shit like that. And we talk. And then when I was taking classes, they was like, well, how your class, like, what's your grades going? Then I'm like, I'll get all A's. And it's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I graduated. I said, I got my master's with honors. I was like, I'm getting my shit with honors in the PhD now. I said, but it's all bullshit. And so I think that's <laughs> a good thing because that's part of what reality is about. It's about like, I know the thing could be bullshit, but I can understand like the role it plays. And because it's bullshit, I can knock through it. And by knocking through it, it beholds me more to be like, it's bullshit. I'm telling you, it's bullshit. And, and, and then even with other PhD students, like in my cohort or shit like that, you know, folks would be doing all these all-nighters and all of this type of shit. Oh, I didn't sleep. And, and they're only full-time students, right? Now, me, I'm a full-time student. I teach and I run an organization. I've never done an all-nighter in my life, right? Because it's like, are you all thinking smart? Y'all clearly are not thinking smart, but school doesn't teach you to think smart. It teaches you to do all the bullshit, right? It doesn't teach you like to think smart, like to think like, okay, what really deserves my time? What really doesn't deserve my time? And so I think by me doing the traditional school thing, it's kind of almost like that old saying, I'm going through it, I'm going through it, so hopefully you don't have to. So it's like, I'm doing this shit, so hopefully the generations coming after me, it's like, man, you know, we ain't gotta do it. like. You know, these other folks, they kind of showed us the way. They, they, you know, they did the bullshit to a certain extent to show us the way so now we don't have to do the bullshit. And I think we don't have, like, I, I, I used to say that we don't have real conversations with young people, but I think that's really, like, a deductive way. I think the problem is our reality that we understand to be real isn't real. And so, therefore, we only understand how to communicate within, like, a false paradigm. I think that's like the real issue because like when I'm talking to young folks and they're stressing so much about academics, I'm like, look, I'm not going to tell you to sit here and get all D's and F's. That's not what I'm telling you. But I am going to tell you that this is all a game that like I went to college with the same people who came from some of the top schools like in, in Chicago and they ain't on shit now. Right. Like, what you do here doesn't dictate like your whole life. Like the stuff you learn in here is bullshit. It really ain't gonna do nothing for life. But we're not in the ideal world yet that you can live without having to deal with that. So since we do have to deal with that, this is how the lens you can approach that thing and view that thing through. And this is how you can operate through that thing. Because when you think about it like that, frustration is different. The frustration is different. So like my frustration with school is like, this shit is y'all wasting my time. Like, but at least the frustration isn't that I can't do this thing. That ain't the frustration. The frustration is like, it's actually is too easy. And y'all wasting my time. And this is all some bullshit. We don't talk to young folks like that. We don't tell them like, look, this is bullshit. Like we don't tell young folks like, you know, you don't have to always wear a shirt and tie but I can teach you two different ways to tie the title. Like, we don't do that. We don't do that. We just tell the young person, 
the shirt and tie. And especially when it's like a young black person look like Barack Obama. And it's like, let's don't, like, don't even get me into all of that. So it's like, come on, like, what are we really like selling young folks? You know what I mean? So it's just like, we just not, I just think the whole paradigm that we exist in is just false. And we, therefore, we don't really even know how to have like a real conversation because we not even having real conversations with ourselves. <laughs> um, I love this. This is yeah. great. Um, okay, so I'm going to start wrapping things up a little bit. Um, one of the main questions that I think we're all really curious about is how the community can help and get involved with your mm -hmm. mission. Mm -hmm. I always think, I think Christina is like a great model. Right. She's I mean, you. <laughs> she was a great model. It's kind of like, OK, this is what y'all are doing. This is what y'all end goals are. I have certain resources and capital. And then how do I use that to help feed this thing that you all are trying to do? And that's what it's really about. It's about listening to what we want done, not what you want done, because it's not about what the fuck you want. And, and sadly, I have to terminate partnerships with people because of that shit. Because they clearly were coming in like with their own agenda. And it's like, it's not about your agenda. Like, like I've been in spaces where it's like, I took the, what is it that you all want to do? And then they would tell me, and then I would use my expertise to help them meet their end goal. And so I think it's the same thing. It's kind of like, like getting in tune with 360. And we're pretty transparent. That's the thing. It's not like, it's like, it's smoking mirrors. No, no, this is who we are. You go on our website, this is who we are, this is who we do it for. But and but we're not anti anything. And I think that's what folks now. I mean, we're anti like, of course, like. Well, I could say I'm anti-hate, but it's like I'm just pro-love. That's really the thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we're not anti any demographic or particular people, any of that. What we are anti is that when you want to partner with us. And then you want to impose like your ideas like on us. That's not partnership. Now, if you have ideas, then we love to listen. I mean, and I think Christina can like testify like I've called her to ask like, what's your thoughts around like this thing? Because she's shown in the past, like this is what you all are trying to do. I have an idea. You think y'all may want to do this? Or you think like that can work? That's how it's supposed to be. So in my mind, it's just kind of like, we are pretty transparent and now we're even adding stuff to the site so you can clearly see like what we're focusing on. Like our four main focus points are space, education, food, and health, right? And we have various initiatives under that. And so, and we do it like that because it makes it really easy for partnerships like that. Because it's like, oh, it's clear what it all you all are doing and these different things that you all are doing. I like that thing, how can I help with that thing? And that's what's happened. So like our health piece. There's people that I went to college with who are like nurse practitioners and shit now. And so they reached out and they were like, I want to help with 360. Like, how can I help? I'm like, well, you know what? We're trying to increase our health footprint in the community. So people can, oh, perfect. Okay. I'm like, these are the ideas. we're Oh, okay. And then that's where they can plug in. And so it's like, you know, we're thinking about like agricultural. And so I think that makes, what makes 360 interesting is that it's a way for people to plug in and there's this reciprocal thing. By them plugging in, they can help empower and grow 360. But also we're like an outlet. By them plugging into us, they also can get empowered as well because they can implement ideas and watch them like come to fruition. And you don't have to be ready-made. 
to like work with things. And so like an ex example is that for most orgs that focus around like justice stuff, you already have to be thinking a certain type of way to even operate with those organizations because they focus around a particular thing. But since we're so focused on like creating initiatives and imposing them into the world, you could come with just whatever skill talent you have, we can work with you to build up your critical analysis. And so like, I would give Dev, Devin, who's like the chef that works with us right now. He's a perfect example. He's a young guy that came around during the summer when we started doing Little Miracles really heavy in the summer. He's like, man, I'm a chef and I know how to grow food inside and outside. And so he started doing little shit. Like he was coming to Little Miracles on his bike with packs of like gourmet mac and cheese that he was already making. And so then he was doing these things. So I'm looking at, we look like, okay, this guy got some skills. This guy has an actual skill set he wants to implement and to plug into this. And so then when he was like, man, you know, you, 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 I love to come to the garden. Okay. He's like, man, you know, I grow food inside. I would love to work in a hydroponic lab. Perfect, Dad. And then what happens is he just started plugging himself in because he had something to offer. Now, what he looks for from us is like, I want to learn more about who I am. I want to learn more about the critical consciousness stuff. I want to get more of the history. Okay, that's what we got. So it's like this real reciprocal thing. So it's like there's this constant synergy of like just being empowered. And so even for the folks who don't have quote unquote skill sets, like folks who work with 360 Now that came around this summer with volunteering, they do have skill sets. It's like soft skills. Some of them are just people, people. They just know how to talk to people. That works with something like Little Miracle. They're really exuberant, have like extrovert personalities. That works. And so what they want from us then is like the teaching aspect, the thinking aspect. So it works. So for us, it's just like, and then in what we teach, it doesn't just apply to black people. Like, this is a human development that we talk about, right? Like everything that I talked about in this, you don't have to be black to get this and to practice this shit. Like, are you kidding me? It's like, this is basic like human development stuff to me. And so it's a way like people see, these are the things you do. Okay, this is how I can plug in. This is how I can reach out. And we have partners like the period project, right? They do their basic thing. They're like, look, we coming by, we dropping off 500 tampons every month. Perfect. If y'all ever want us to come out and do some stuff around like sexual health with young folks or any of that, let us know. And it was like, okay, cool. Actually, we could connect you with Imani. Imani is a young person who's been involved in 360 since she was 17. She used to be involved in uh, Illinois Caucus of Adolescent Health. She trained young folks in, in sexual, healthy relationships and sex. How about we link you with Imani and let's make some stuff up? And that's what happens, right? So it's like, and I wanted it to be that way, that it was like, it create these different prongs and these different things that kind of have like a life on their own that 360 kind of like gives birth to, to a certain extent. And by doing it like that, I think it, make, it makes it really easy to have any type of community partner. Sorry, somebody's walking in my door right now. <laughs> um, awesome. And I love that too, because what I've noticed is that like when people are contributing with something that they're passionate about, they're way more likely to continue to show up. Yeah, big time. And then my final question is, what's the future of 360 looking like? Constant growth. So uh, I think the tangible things is uh, we're starting up our, um, 
our barbecue initiative uh, this spring. I talked to Christina about it. Uh, and it was mainly because I started a, a barbecue catering business when I was an undergrad because this elder that lived in DeKalb taught me how to like slow cook like meat, like beef briskets and like a whole pig and all that type of stuff. And I thought it was a cool tool and there wasn't a barbecue restaurant in DeKalb. So I reached out to a guy that owned the ice cream parlor there and was like, let me rent out your kitchen for $500 a month if I could sell like quality barbecue out of here. And he agreed. And fast forward to now, there's two staff that work at Summer. One of the teachers used to be a pit master and he used to be a pit master for like famous days and all this type of stuff. And another guy's the PE teacher who really wants to learn. So last summer, I was like, man, let's start training the young folks. Just so like, it'd be fun. Let's just train them how to make, make their own seasoning, how to make marinade, what it really means to preserve meat and to like use the whole animal and all that type of stuff. And this is someone who was a veg, I was a vegetarian for like 12 years, right? So it was like this whole thing, like, oh shit, do I really wanna do this? But I saw the bigger picture in it and the young folks loved it. And so what happened is some of the parents, well, two of the parents, especially Queen in particular, she was like, you know, mellow barbecue, like for my sister, you know, for my, uh, you know, for his sister, my daughter's, you know, birthday. We had like a family thing. And he like, you know, he was preparing to meet overnight and he did this whole thing. And she was like, you know, the whole family was looking at this, like, what the fuck? Cause the food was like, great. Cause we taught him how to make it. He was like, they couldn't believe that this boy was making like, was slow cooking these ribs overnight and doing all this type of stuff. And then her saying that I was like, hmm, I wonder if we should create a business out of this, right? Like, and, you know, and, and so the person that works with 360, Neary, like one of my tightest guys or whatever, he became one of my tightest guys like through 360. His wife, I met his wife. She was like, my husband will love you. Like he's a design thinker. Cause that's what he does. He's a design thinker and he's a graphic designer. He said he would love you. And I think y'all would mesh, you know what I'm saying? And so then we met and he's always done everything for 360. Perfect example, for free. He never wanted us to pay him. He's like, man, look, this is all, this is something bigger than that. And so we sat down with him a year ago. Well, like a little bit less than a year ago. He was like, man, we really got this idea around like starting up like this barbecue initiative. I was like, we make really good quality food. We sampled it throughout the community. You know, we did our taste tester thing. We made our own barbecue sauce, our own seasoning. And because we knew how to do this shit. And I was like, man, I think it's a really good niche, man, training young folks in this shit. I said, I think it's a really good business model. Like we train people from the community, young people, we hire them into the business. People could come and get good quality barbecue. And I was like, and we're based like in the community and all of that. So we moved forward with it. Neary worked with us to like do all the branding stuff, like asking the basic question, like if I have $25, why do I come get barbecue from you all versus going to Green Street Meats? Right. And so it was like those like real critical questions that helped us like come up with the branding for like fifth ass. And, and what I love, he said, it's more than just the barbecue. It's about the community and who you are. It just so happens that people would get like really good barbecue like within the process. So we came up with the name Fifth Ave Smokers because we're located right off Fifth Ave and Cossie, right? So we was like, let's develop Fifth Ave Smokers. So we're moving forward with it and we're gonna launch it in June. And so we're gonna start small and it's gonna be based out of the, cause we basically took over the other building in Sumner. So they basically, we run little miracles out of there, we do that. 
So it was, we're going to start off as a, you know, as a nice stand. We're going to operate it out of the school. Folks can come pick up on me. Nobody can come eat in, of course, and nothing like that. And then we're going to start small and just build it from there. And since we make our own mesquite seasoning and we use herbs to go into the mesquite seasoning, we're growing the herbs for the mesquite seasoning, like in the hydroponic lab and across the street. So I think that's another good touch because everything is like, would be like local. Right. And so then we have a connection with through local foods, through little miracles that's also connected to local farms. So we can get like good quality local, you know what I'm saying, meat that's coming from farms that's like cage free, that's grown ethically and all of that type of stuff while growing our own herbs. So little miracles is going to keep growing. Um, we're building up more of the hydroponic lab. Uh, we're kicking off Fifth Ave Smokers in June. And then there's a lot that sits right across from Fifth Ave Smokers, and we're going to take over that piece of land. I think that, not Fifth Ave Smokers, that's, it, that's right across from Black Star Garden. I think Black Star Garden is 1,600 square feet. This piece of land is like 2,800 square feet. So we're going to take, start taking over that one in March, and we're going to use that land to do like urban farming, so for actual production, so actually growing food. food. So the whole point of it is to create an ecosystem that if someone plugs into that ecosystem, they can get everything they need from education to food, to health, to employment. And it starts off small, but you know, you keep building it up. So yeah, uh, Fifth Ave Smokers and we extended a hydroponic lab, um, a new garden with a new, a, a small scale farm and then the uh, photo studio. And then, uh, we got other ideas too, but we got to We can't do too much of everything, you know. So um, we have other ideas. We just stop there. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it won't stop there. I mean, we have other plans, and we're intentional. One thing in 360 is like always take our time. We're in no rush. We're like in no rush. If we're just intentional and move slow, we know it's done right. And it's always proven that that's been proven to this extent. So. We're really excited about Fifth Ave Smokers because we all love doing it. It's a good way to build more community. And uh, it's real good barbecue, you know, and it's, a, and it's a way for, it's just a different type of barbecue vibe than anywhere else in the city. And I think that's what else we'd be more like ecstatic about. So we're buying some more smokers and the goal is to just keep building that thing up and building everything else up. Can't wait to yeah, yeah, yeah. eat and get involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it'd be dope, you know, to come get some barbecue and then you can sit across at a garden and like walk away and pick some sage and some rosemary if you want to and have a nice drink and peace. Cause we have like you met Natalie, who yeah. worked with us, who's a mixologist. So you know, she wants to create like original 360 drinks, you know, which is like, you know. And so I think that'd be dope. And that's always that thing, like cultural production, just how do we put different things out there? So yeah, you know, the future is uh, promising for the most part. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, well, do you all have any other questions? No, I mean, I just want to say that like, I, I think that's fucking amazing. <laughs> like I'm, so. I'm super that stoked on all that. Like that's, Fucking awesome, uh, especially because like you're not just like stomping into the community. You're taking what the community has and building around that with them, and providing so much for for all these kids to like learn and grow through and with and have a part of. 
and like be a part of something which is just fucking amazing thanks man really, thanks, thanks. yeah Nice. <laughs> I'm just like flabbergastingly <laughs> inspired over here. I just For like real. a bunch of notes and uh I just wanted to say like thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us and tell tell us about everything you're doing. I'm like really, really grateful for this time that we have with you today. For real. Oh same. Thank y'all for you know taking the time out to even have the conversation and inviting me on, definitely. Absolutely. And yep. we will uh, tag your 360s uh, website in mm-hmm. the comment section so that, you know, folks can check y'all out. And yeah. if anybody has any questions, we'll direct those to you. Please, um, please do. Please yeah. do. And As then I'll, I'll see y'all soon in some okay. way, shape, or form. Yeah, you know that uh-huh. you'll hear from me soon. So. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, great so uh thank you and as always please hustle responsibly yeah yeah i like that i love that i love that